And so we're now going to ask Robin and Hannah to bring our reading to us. Over to you, Robin and Hannah. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thank you, Robin and Hannah. And so now over to Terry to bring us our word from that passage from Psalm 46. Thank you, Terry. Good morning and welcome to Sunday, uh, 7th of June's message on Psalm 46. God is our strength and refuge. I want to read to you from Habakkuk uh, chapter 1 and verses 2 to 4. It's been a tumultuous couple of weeks as we think about what's been in the news, particularly in the United States and, and uh, uh, the whole movement of concern about individuals' lives. Habakkuk 1, 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence before me, there is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. As we think about the times around us and uh, the context of Habakkuk, and we're thinking about David's psalm in 40, chapter 46, I firstly just want to do um, three frames with you of lenses looking at what's been going on and trying to make a little bit of sense for me. Um, and the first frame, which captures uh, Habakkuk's call to God, his cry out to God, why do you make me look at injustice? These are troubling days as we watch the horror of the video footage of the late George Floyd's unnecessary death at the hands of the police in the United States. 
an African-American killed by a white police officer. And this story of this human being is an episode in the long story of injustice of human against human being. And I, what's so disturbing to us as we see that is the very people who are commissioned and authorized to protect and restrain evil end up perpetrating a final solution. And police brutality is something that uh, I've walked um, near to when I served with International Justice Mission and uh, part of their casework in particular countries, um, including East Africa and other parts of the world in Latin America, is uh, casework would look at police brutality. And what we're seeing in this is structural evil, where the very system works against a minority group. Like many, our hearts are pained to see this unnecessary death of this man. A father to a daughter, a brother, an uncle, a friend, a person. Habakkuk says to God for his times, and we say to God in our times, why do you make me look at injustice? But as followers of Jesus, we are called to be people of justice, to stare at injustice, to confront injustice. That's my first frame. My second frame is what Habakkuk says is, why, God, do you tolerate wrong? We're living in dangerous times where the truth has become politicized. If one of you says something against the stream of public uh, thinking, particularly contrary um, liberal thinking at times, you will find mob rule will hit your social media account. You will be bombarded with protesters on all of your social media platforms outside potentially your front door suddenly uh, you'll experience this. And we in our world, particularly, well, it's not just the Western world, we have lost the art of disagreeing uh, and agreeing to disagree. We've lost the art of the ability to see the person but disagree with the view. And dare I say it, we've seen it with the photographers huddled together photographing Dominic Cummings. Whatever the wrongs or rights of that, it does not justify the means when we're supposed to have two meter rules and you see scores of photographers literally huddled together breaking the guidance rules. Fake news is a term that we've seen over the last decade where facts get in the way of a good story, a good narrative. We are in the age of stories. People love stories. And so sometimes we embellish stories where exaggeration is acceptable and distorted truth can travel around the world in a minute as soon as someone posts something 
on one of their social media platforms. Identity politics is where a cause, um, and if you challenge some of the thinking behind that cause, they will shout back at you no matter what. There will be a lack of reasoning. In a sense, uh, we have become intolerant with tolerance. And so we see violence uh, that's been happening across the streets of America, uh, uh, where out-of-state protesters have exercised civil disobedience. And the truth of the protest, the genuine truth of the protest, which is highly moral, is lost in further violence. A retired police officer um, of David Dawn, um, 77 years of age, protecting uh, a pawn shop from looters, is killed in defending the rights of property by these protesters. The means does not justify the end. And so we see one of my heroes, Dr. Martin Luther King, who expounded the great cause of nonviolent resistance that he had learned from the Indian um, leader, Mahatma Gandhi, and also Nelson Mandela, who rejected in the end violent protest in apartheid South Africa for, for nonviolent resistance. Martin Luther King said these words, and it's really important for us in these days. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do so. It was George Floyd's brother earlier last week who asked the protesters to be peaceful, that none of the violence should be done in his late brother's name. And so we see the first frame that we look at injustice, this uh, long episode of injustice of human beings uh, persecuting other human beings. And uh, the particular issue uh, that's in the United States, and, and it's certainly not foreign to us in the UK as well, where there can be a precious, uh, oppression uh, through uh, police where if you're in the States, it can be a very frightening experience for a black person to be stopped by the police for fear of shooting first and answering questions second. The second frame, why do you tolerate wrong? The, the absence of the pursuit of truth, where shouting and noise and clamor and opinion all come together and we lose focus on the singularity of the issue. The third frame I want to put to you is in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 19 as Habakkuk journeys through the injustice he sees across his nation. He says this, in the face and the absence of justice, in the despair of what is around, in our despair we see this life lost unnecessarily through police brutality. He says, Habakkuk says, the Lord, sovereign Lord, is my strength. We need to look for signs of light 
and hope and love in these great issues of life. So for one of uh, those signs of light, I will talk about the story of the sheriff in Genesee County, Michigan, Flint, Chris Swanson, took off his Kevlar helmet and body protection and put them away and asked all of his officers to do the same. And he walked with the protesters. He walked in solidarity in the truth that they have a right to existence, a right to life, a right to non-violence. And uh, he said, let's walk. If you want a hug, my officer over there, he's a hugger, give him a hug. Leadership requires courage to humble oneself. We've seen other police officers across the states um, kneeling in memory of George Floyd and the, a great symbol that black lives indeed do matter. Violent injustice, whatever it looks like, white on black, black on black, tribe on tribe, is intolerable in the face of God our Creator. Nietzsche, the German philosopher who said in the late 19th century, God is dead. If you take God out of the equation, if you take the moral absolute of right and wrong out of society, you then lead up to the 20th century that had more wars more violence than all the other centuries put together. When there's the absence of God and it's replaced by mankind, then truth leaves the building. So the question we have for us as we live in 2020, how then shall we live? And the psalmist in Psalm 46 says to us, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The first thing I want to share with you is God is in the storms of life, your life, society's life. The world is in danger of losing its anchor, the moral foundation of life, the belief in God. It means civilization will die if you take God out of the center. We've seen civilizations die. We've seen the Greek empire, uh, the Babylonian empire, the Persian empire, the Roman empire. And we may see Western civilization die if you take God out of the center. We may be witnessing our civilization in the pangs of decay. But I am not a man of no hope. I still believe God can step in. I still believe the Holy Spirit can revive our lands and our islands. The psalmist cries out to us because he feels the same. Where is our security? The mountains are shaking and there's an earthquake going on and the very stability of life as we know it is failing. Where are we putting our trust? Are we putting our trust 
in governments? Are we putting our trust in market forces, the stock market, in ideological and political systems? And it's in fundamental times like we're facing with COVID-19 that is reshaping and potentially resetting our lives. We are taken back to the first cause. Our refuge is in the living God. God who empowers the weak, who gives strength to the weary. I love the story of Gideon. Gideon, who is from the tribe of Moab, who is a nobody. God loves nobodies. I was thinking about uh, that great Christian apologist who passed away uh, in May this year, just last month, uh, Ravi Sakaris this 17-year-old young man who attempted to take his own life in Delhi, India, uh, came from a Hindu high-caste background who was lifeless. And in the hospital uh, bed, he survived, was given a Bible, and read the verse in John 14, because I live, said Jesus, so you will live. And that changed his life. This nobody, Ravi Sakaris, became this somebody in God's eyes, speaking to thousands and thousands, millions of people across the world over the course of his life. And Gideon was taken out of this nobody tribe to take on the might of a foreign army. And so he gathers 32,000 troops he surrounds himself with as much security and preparation, but God is having none of it. He whittles that army down to 300 soldiers. Gideon had to learn, and we have to learn, and I struggle to learn, that God is enough. He is enough in your situation, and he's enough in my situation. Yes, the mountains might be crumbling into the sea. Everything may be falling apart as we know it. Last week, uh, Cole led David Harper's funeral with great assurance and fortitude and beauty of this wonderful man's life in Christ. And he referred to how David, um, towards, right towards the end of his life, were talking about the funeral. And typical David said to Pat and the family, well, it doesn't matter which hymns you choose because I'm not going to be there. And that is profoundly true because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. David is on a new shore. He's with Christ on the eternal shore, the kingdom of heaven. Friends, we need to be those people who choose hope over fear, love over hate. God is with us in the storm. Secondly, we learn from this psalm in verses four to seven, that God's city awaits. David the psalmist talks about the great city of Jerusalem and a river that's actually running through it. Why is he talking about a river 
And if you live in the lowlands, uh, particularly in the west of England and up in uh, certain parts of Yorkshire, it's a real risk when the rivers flood, you are, your home's decimated, your ho home is surged with the floodwaters. But Jerusalem is up on a hill, but there's a river that runs through underneath it. And Israel was besieged by a foreign army. And that army wanted to uh, bleed the Israelites dry so they didn't have any water or resources. But because the city had a life-giving river running through it, Israel managed to sustain itself and overcome the potential invaders. We need a river, a deep river in our own lives to nourish and refresh us. The city of God is one of the great themes of the Bible. We find it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And it's one of the passages I love to read when I'm taking uh, funeral services or services of thanksgiving. It's uh, from chapter 21 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In verse 5 of Psalm 46, God is within her. She will not fail. Friends, God will not fail you. Life may not be the script you choose for yourself, but God will weave his grace into your life, into the broken pieces, and he will pull the strings together. In verse 7, we learn that God is a mighty fortress. I love that. I love the notion that God is my castle. God is my rock. I can plant my feet and it doesn't matter what's happening around me, but I have the goodness of God in the land of the living, that I am a child, a child of God. You are a son or daughter of God and he is with you. He weaves his goodness around you. It was in the Second World War concentration camps of the Third Reich, where a Jew, Jewish prisoner heard a prison warder say to you, I control your life, I control your destiny, I choose whether you have life or death. And the Jewish person replied, yes, you can choose when I live or die, but I choose joy, I choose hope. 
and and there's something very deep about that that our disposition that today we choose joy today we choose love towards other people today we don't see the caricature of the individual oh that's a white person that's an asian person that's a black person that is a person created by a heavenly father that person is a son or daughter is a husband or wife is a human being in the brotherhood and sisterhood of humanity and we are going to be the great tribes of heaven so we better get used to living with each other now because god's city awaits thirdly and finally the name of god is the highest name upon this planet in verses 8 to 11. it says in verse 8 behold come see the works of the creator we live in an age that is incredibly impatient which seeks pleasure and has forgotten what martin luther king spoke about the long arc of god that bends towards justice we are often very short term in our, our looking we forget that we need to sometimes look beyond the next hilltop that there is another journey i think i've shared with you before uh, when I was watching the um, uh, the series, the trilogy um, with the Hobbit, and um, I never forget watching the second one. Uh, it's about two and a half, three hours long, and it finishes with this interim where they're looking across the valley, and typical Tennant's with his impatience says, "I can't believe we've finished at Hilltop and the next chapter." But this is what God is saying that we need to trust God's long arc of righteousness because justice is in the DNA of God. It's in the very character of God and it needs to be in your character and my character. Justice is righteousness turned inside out. In Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice. Righteousness and justice come from the same root word in Greek. The moral character of God is just, and as followers of Jesus, justice, righteousness, not just personal righteousness, as important as it is, but social systems, structures of society need to exercise justice. And that's something we've got to get better at in our churches, that it's not just about me and my sin. We need to see sin is also about systems and processes, about military, about political systems. There can be structural sins in that. But Jesus taught us to love our neighbours as ourselves. Jesus taught us it does begin with the power of one it begins with you loving the person you work with you live down the street with it begins with the one 
and we need to love our neighbours, whether they're black, white, brown, pink or yellow. And Micah, Micah sums up the 625 laws of Judaism in three words, three sentences. Micah 6, a beautiful verses, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. But the pinnacle of Psalm 46 is often misunderstood, verse 10. And we often think about this, you can just imagine a bit of Enya music playing in the background, very serene, and we're, we're lying back, you've got your cup of coffee, uh, or your glass of wine if you're naughty, and uh, we read, be still and know I am God. But the invective of this verse, this text, it's not a quiet call to be still. God is shouting. This is like a sergeant major on a parade shouting, stand still, stop your needless noise. I am God. And it's as though God is saying that to us in the coronavirus pandemic. So how then shall we live in an age of racial violence? Three very brief things. Black lives matter. You bet they do. You bet they do. They matter to God and they matter to you and me. I was talking to my older son last week about this and his thoughts about it. And his first reflections were actually all lives matter to God, no matter what your ethnicity. So we need to look beyond the descriptor and see the person, see the daughter, see the husband, their people. And George Floyd did matter to God and he should matter to us. Walk humbly with your God. I think more than ever, we need to be slow to speak let your actions speak louder than words. Psalm 82 verse 3 says, defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Being humble is what we saw some of the police officers do last week. And we need to do that actually before God um, at the knee of Jesus. We need to bow the knee to Jesus. And, and it's that humility of preferring God and then taking heed to loving others. Friends, we need to pray for the Christian church, for a new generation of Luther Kings of William Wilberforce's, of Florence Nightingale's, of Hannah Moore's and Nelson Mandela's, who will walk humbly with God in obedience, no matter what. And the final thing I want to say, stand up for truth. Let us not exaggerate 
truth. Let us not make those who are victims, and George Floyd was a victim. He did not deserve what he got, but he wasn't a saint either. And he didn't deserve to die. He was a victim of crime. And so as the people of God, we need to stand for truth as well. We need to be bold to declare the truth and also protect the truth from being hijacked by easily offended trolls, from those with anarchist agendas of chaos. Brian Stevenson was and is from the African American community, an amazing, amazing man, a Harvard trained lawyer who gave up all the opportunities and fruits of success that he could have had. And he went to work in uh, the southern states and started the Equal Justice Initiative. This charity seeks fair trials for those prisoners on death row. The majority of those prisoners will be black Americans who have not been fairly represented in their trials. Often, they can't afford lawyers. There isn't the thoroughness of the court process. And his story, Brian Stevenson's story, has been made into a fabulous film, and I do commend it to you. It's called Just Mercy. He says this, each of us is more than the worst thing we've done. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've done. George Floyd's life was precious. Let us stand for truth and be courageous and know the strength and refuge of our Heavenly Father as we forge forward in the light of his love. Amos 5 verse 23-24 says, Away with the noise of your worship songs, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. So let the heavenly river nourish you this week. Stand for truth and righteousness for your brother and sister at work, down your street, your neighbor across this land, across this globe, whatever color, creed or confession they are from, stand up for Jesus. Amen.